All right. Okay. We are learning Daf Mem Tes. Uh, we had a clean break. Top Mishnah. Now, this actually we saw before. Believe it or not, it was quoted before in Daf Yud Gimel. But now we get, we see it in its right context. So our boss, Rosh Hashanah, is for Shabbos. What's going to happen this year if the 14th of Nisan is going to be a Shabbos? So what's the halacha? Do you get rid of the chametz on Shabbos? Or you get rid of it on Friday. So the the first Tana, Rabbi Meir says, Mavanas Kol Fnei Shabbos Rabbi Meir. You get rid of everything. Except for just the tiny little bit that you're going to need for your suits of Shabbos, you get rid of. In other words, but essentially, most of what, most of what you could, you should get rid of. Our mayor wants, if some of trying to our mayor, our mayor doesn't want you being busy on Shabbos getting, getting rid of stuff. So as much as you can get rid of before, you get rid of before. I'm saying, no, you can leave over however much you like, but it, not just like the minimum amount, you know, a few kazesim of chal. You can leave over whatever you want, and you can take care of it on Shabbos. Obviously, here, these opinions hold that you don't have to burn. Chametz. You can get rid of it by disposing in other forms, which aren't forbidden on Shabbos. If you'd have to burn it, like Rebuda's position, there really wouldn't be much of a discussion. He says it depends. If it's Trima, it's unlikely you're going to find anyone to eat it. If you didn't find anyone to eat it by then, it's unlikely you'll find someone in the next few hours who's a Kohen. If you don't have a Kohen, you don't have a Kohen. So you may as well get rid of it before. But Chulin, um, which maybe you'll find you'll just finish it. It's not such a big deal. So then, um, then, you, can, then you, you do leave it around and, you, and for whatever reason it didn't happen, then you'll fin- finish it on Shabbos. There was one time when my father, Tzadok, was spending Shabbos in Yavim. The 14th was like this year, it fell on Shabbos. This person named Zunin, who was the Mamuna from Gamliel, the appointed person from Gamliel, and he said, It came Zman, it was on Shabbos, he said, Okay, now it's the time to get rid of the Chamez. When it was a Chamez, I followed my father, we get rid of the Chamez. From the fact that it was on Shabbos, and he came and he said, It's Yigiyah Zman to get rid of it. So that's, you see, that the halacha is that you get rid of Chamez even on Shabbos. It's a difficult proof because everybody agrees that you could get rid of at least a little bit that you left over. Even from there, you could leave over a tiny bit for the meals. But I guess it was Mashma here that it was like the Zman, you know, the main essential Zman. They had never gotten rid of the Chamez, and that's why we're saying it's a proof. That you can like the chum that you get rid of it on Shabbos itself. Okay, says the Mishnah. The Mishnah is continuing on the theme. And remember, we learned in the above that midaraisa bebitul baamasagi. If you just do, if you just do bitul midaraisa, that suffices. As long as you do bitul before the fifth hour, right before the sixth hour, midaraisa, everything's fine. You can do bitul and it's all good. But midarabanan, they said we should actually get rid of your chametz as well. So what happens? A whole lichlucha of this pesach. Someone's going for a very important thing. So fourth in Nisan, he's en route to Yerushalayim to shecht the kamvesa. Vlamos benot to give a brismila to his son. Vlechos sudas enveres to his chamav, or he's going to eat the sudas erisin. We don't really have a sudas erisin anymore today because we'd have erisin and sudas together. But sudas erisin is back when they would split them. When a man would get married, but before he would live it, move in with his wife, they would have a special suda in the future father-in-law's home to celebrate. He's going to do any one of these three mitzvahs. He's on the road. Suddenly, he's oh my gosh, I have chametz back home. I didn't get rid of it. I have that cereal box sitting in the pantry. If he has enough time, that he could go home, get rid of the chametz, and then get back to the mitzvah and complete it. That's what you should do. If there's enough time remaining in the day, then you should do both. If it's not going to prevent you from doing the second mitzvah, go for it. But what if you're not going to have enough time? It's 9.30 a.m. You're already on the road to Yerushalayim. If you go back, you're not going to shaft the Pesach. If you don't go back, then you're not going to fulfill the din of getting rid of your chametz. So what should you do? Without Lubalibo, then you should just rely on Bittal. Because then, the Raisa level, you'll get rid of That's fine. The cereal box in your pantry will get rid of the Raisa. I'm in the Rabbanon. There's a din not to rely on Bittal. You should get rid of your chametz. But here, where the getting rid of your chametz will cause me to miss my second mitzvah, the Rabbanon were leaning and they just said, and they just said you could rely on Bittal. Says the Mishnah. Now this, again, is important. In order to say rely on Bittal, you have to be talking about when 
that it's before midday. If it's after midday, it's too late to do betel. Chametz is no longer yours to do betel. In that situation, there's a big hack about what you should do. If it's after midday, and if you're gonna, if you go back, you're gonna miss your chametz pass off, but that's your only solution. So if both are arisas, then I think the post can actually say you should go back for chametz because it's gonna be much worse of an iser. You're gonna be over korega verega of the whole week. Whereas here, you're just gonna miss your mitzvah. Okay, you'll miss your mitzvah. So the whole mission, again, it's clear in the mission. We're talking about during this month that betel helps. And that's the point. We're talking about in the morning. Let's say a second case. You're going to save, you're saving people's lives. There's a Yenachem there's a, there's a attacking Menanar. There's a flooding river. There's bandits. There's a fire. There's a building that collapsed. He's on the way to save lives and he remembers he is coming. Again, Yavata Belibo. Here, he should just rely on Bittal. But here, we don't even say if you could. Even if you could go back, get rid of it, and still come back, you have enough time to go and you know, go fight the army. We don't say make any chesh bonus. In this second case in the mission, we just say, no, 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 just rely on Bittal. The fact that you're involved in saving lives, you don't stop saving lives to go home to destroy the chametz. Now, again, what would be if it's the afternoon where you can't do Bittal? That's a hard question. Because there it doesn't say in the Mishnah. And here the Mishnah says, believe The implication kind of is, a very strange implication, that if it would be in the afternoon, you can't rely on Bittal, you should go home. But that seems absurd, right? If you're saving lives. So the post can struggle with the implication of the second case. The third case, Here a guy's just going to, you know, before Shabbos, he's trying to be Kona Shvisa outside the city, so that he can go 2,000 amas from there. But that's just all optional. He's not involved in a mitzvah. He just wants to go visit somebody far away. So then Yazim Yad, you get right back on the road and you go home. There's no excuse whatsoever. You got a mitzvah. So if you're only doing an optional thing now, then you go right back home. Says the Mishnah, similar halachos, and just a little bit of an introduction. When you have basar of kachim, so basar of kachim kalim, you're supposed to eat in Yerushalayim. For whatever reason, it becomes disqualified. You take it outside the city, so you have to burn it. The mitzvah is you burn kachim kalim. Midarai says it doesn't have to be burned specifically in any place. But Midarabanan, they said it should be burned in the city of in Yerushalayim. And, and, and they really emphasize that there's an ability to burn it in the Azar. And they even stipulated to encourage people to burn it in the Azar. They say if you, you come and burn in the Azar, you could use the wood of the base of Mikdash. You get free wood. And people donated wood to the base Mikdash had this in mind. But that's all Dindra Abonan, Pashtas, the mitzvah to burn the Kachim. So what happens? This person was leaving your Shalom. He said, realized, hey, I've got a piece of Shalom in my suitcase that I didn't, I didn't fully finish. And now it just became disqualified and the Chachila should be burned in your Shalom. So we say the same Allah. If he already passed Sofim, which is either the place right outside your Shalom or the place that you could still see your Shalom. If you already passed there, then the Rabbana were lenient. They just said, burn it wherever you are. That's fine. But if you still haven't passed Sofim, so you're close enough, you should return to your shalim and you should burn it. You should burn it in front of the bira, which is the base of mikdash. That's a term for the base of mikdash, right there, a place on the harabais where they would designate a spot for burning kachim kalim. Um, they it should be burned. It should be burned there, and you could even use the wood that's designated for the mitzvah. So both of these a similar type of thing that sometimes the rabbanon are makele. You don't have to go back for their mitzvah. Sometimes not. How much chametz or meat? is significant amount that warrants you to return. In other words, if it's a tiny speck, so it's not such a big deal, it's not the Rabbanon, it's not the There has to be a certain amount that's chashev. So our mayor, Omer, is a So both cases, not kazais, but in a, uh, the volume of an egg. If it's less than the volume of an egg, you don't have to go. There you could rely on bitol by chametz and by carbon, and by the carbon you could burn it wherever you are. Now, it doesn't mean it's not an issue. We know definitely chazayas of chametz is an issue, but we're saying the chashivas of the dinder abonon, that not to rely on bittel, even when it's very difficult, that is only when it's a very significant amount of Isaac of Beitzah, and we'll see where that came from in the Gemara. No, both of them are totally in kazayas, not kabetzah. They split it. Basar kodesh kazayas. Basar kodesh is chamer, even just the kazayas, you go back. Chametz kabetzah. Chametz is a little bit more lenient. We find you have the other option of bittel, which is like a super cool concept that most of these don't have. You just do bittel, so therefore we're a little bit more lenient. 
And we say that unless there's a kibetzah, you don't have to go back. And we'll see in the Gemara where the size of kibetzah came from. It's not just random. Okay, so the implication of the Mishnah is that going to eat a Sudas Erisin is a mitzvah. So the Gemara says, Raminu, that's a contradiction. Someone who's going to eat the Sudas Erisin in his father's house. Just go to be Kona Shvisa for an optional thing. You have to go back right away. So obviously, going to Sudas Erisin according to this price is not a mitzvah. So is it a mitzvah or is it not? It's not a difficulty. It's Machlokas Tanam Harabi Yehuda. The price goes like Harabi Yosi. The Mishnah is going like Rabbi Yosi. Rabbi Yehuda holds it's not a mitzvah. Rabbi Yosi holds that it is a mitzvah. The Tanya says in the price of Sudas Erisin, Rabbi Yehuda. Having a meal when you get when you get married in the Kedushan sense before you move in is only is only Rishos. Mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to have that Suda added that the whole Machlokas isn't the first. They used to have two meals. One they originally got got got, got married, and then later the Chassan would send a whole bunch of gifts to the Kala and he would return and eat again a second meal. So Rav Chisda said the whole dispute is only by the second meal. the original meal that happens, everybody agrees it's a mitzvah. So then I feel you can say both the mission and the price of Golak There's no contradiction. The first original Suda, which everybody agrees is mitzvah. The second price, the second, the price is talking about the second meal, which in the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda is not a mitzvah. Says the Gemara, now the Gemara brings a price which supports that that Mahal Machlokas is only the second meal. Tanya says in a price. I only heard I only heard about the first original meal that that's a mitzvah but not the meal that goes with the gifts the meal that goes with the gifts the second meal is not a mitzvah I heard that both the original meal and the meal with the gifts is also a mitzvah so we clearly see that the machlokas is the way we said it about the second meal with the sivlonus but the first meal everybody agrees is a mitzvah so now the Gemara elaborates we're getting into a huge tangent here for the rest of the daf about uh, we start off with the idea of sudas and we branch out so Tanya says in the Bible of Shimon Omar any big party that's not related to a mitzvah, it's not for a tamachacham to enjoy. It's not for him. So the Gemara says, go in mind. What's an example of a feast that's not for a mitzvah? And it doesn't seem like, you know, it's stam. Like, it seems to be, should be like, the, the Gemara is referring to like a negative kind of context. So there has to be something wrong about the Suda. Not necessarily as forbidden like an Avera, but there's something negative about it. So what's an example? So I'm Rabbi Yochanan Gumbas Kohen Israel. Let's say it's a, it's a, it's a Suda and it's a, it's a, when a, when a Bas Kohen is marrying outside of her Sheva. She's not marrying a coin. And she's like almost disrespecting her family by marrying Yisrael. So that's a sad thing. Or about Tamachacham Lamar. It's a daughter of Tamachacham is marrying an ignorant person. So those are sad Sudas, so that's not for a Tamachachma to partake in. And the Gemara now explains it. Stamar of Yochanan, Baskoin, Yisrael. What happens when a Baskoin marries a Yisrael? The Shidduch is not going to be good. It's not going to be blessed by the Abish. What bad things could happen? It could either the, the daughter of the coin could become a widow, she could get divorced, or she's not going to have children at all. But Masnisa Tana Bryce elaborates on this Kovra. Either her husband will bury her, meaning she'll die early. O Kovarto, she'll bury him early. She'll bring down the bank accounts. Everyone will be poor because of the shit. So the Gemara says, whoa, this is a very extreme thing. Bas Kohen can't marry Yisrael. Eni, is this really true? If somebody wants to become rich, then they should cling to the children of Aaron. So the kahuna used to bring wealth because of the katoras, people, the hides, the kahuna, the Kohen used to be hooked up people. They were, they were, people took care of them. They had the katoras things in the base of Megdash. So if you want to get, if you want to get, uh, get, get a part of that, then you should marry into the family. Marry a Bas Kohen. Because then Torah, if you're a Tamachacham, then you get, you'll, you'll have the power of Torah and you'll have the power of the kuna. The shidduch comes together. Boom. That will make you super wealthy. So here it sounds like Mamash Dafka the opposite. When the Yisrael, 
is marrying the Bas Kohen, that will make him even richer. Before, we were just saying that when the Yisrael marries the Bas Kohen, they get poor. So the Gemara says, Lo, Kasha. And now we get to really what the bottom, what, the, what, what the, really what the issue is in the Yisrael marrying the Bas Kohen. That's Givaldic. That's good. We say, like, you know, they're only going to get richer. There's no issue with that. The Sekhbaris is talking about Amma Aris. When Amma Aris marries the daughter of a Kohen, that's where it's a much bigger issue. And the idea is, at a time Chacham, it's only giving cover to Aaron. Everything's good with that. But when it's an, when it's an Amma Aret, that's a disgrace. And everything is getting punished. And now everything makes sense. When we said that the Tamil Chacham, it's not befitting for him to be at the Suda of, a, of an Amma Aret to a Bas Kohen. He was only Dafka by an Amma Aret. He's Ra Amma But Tamil Chacham, it's actually a good thing. So now it's an interesting thing. If somebody gets married to a Bas Kohen, you better think for a second. Are you an Amaretz and Tamachacham? If you're an Amaretz, whoa, scary stuff. If you're a Tamachacham, it's great. So the Gemara has a whole bunch of people here. Rabbi Yeshua Nasukanto Chalash. Rabbi Yeshua married Kohanis. He got sick. Amar, he said, Must be Aaron doesn't want me to join his family. He doesn't want a son in law like me. Well, it's cynical, but that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, after this, that's what comes out. He had two sons who became, who got smicha, big people. Rabbi Yeshua Bred Ravidi. Rabbi Yeshua Bred Ravidi. Ravidi. So for him, it was good. Amar Papa. Papa says, Had I not married Kohenes, I never would have come rich. So for him, it was good. Says the Gemara, Amar Kahana. Rav Kahana says, and just a little bit of the background, Rav Kahana, the Gemara Baba Kama, tells us the very end of the Baba Kama, he once killed, someone was trying to kill a Jew, so he killed them, and then he had to run away. And that's how Rav Kahana came to the land of Israel. He escaped for his life. So the Gemara says, Rav Kahana, you know why this whole thing happened to me? Why I had to run away to Israel? Had I not married Kohenes, it never would have happened. Meaning my exile was like a punishment of doom for my Shidduch. So Amrulay, all his Tamitim said, it's not so bad. You know, you were Golad Eretz Yisrael. I could think of worse things. So look, look. What? That's what it sounds like. You know what place he was? I don't know. It sounds like from the Gemara, he was a Yisrael who married a Baskoin. That's what it sounds like. Oh, you're saying his name is Kahana. Aha, very good. I, never, I didn't think of that. So the Gemara says, look, I like the Inchi. But he says, yeah, but I didn't go in the way that people usually exiled. Meaning, it happened through a cra- crazy thing that I was fleeing from my life. So he's saying that... Um, yeah, it's true. It ended up working out, but clearly there was some, you know, divine orchestration sending me there. Says the Gemara, so, so called anyone who benefits too much from a from a party that's an optional one will be thrown into Galish. And Emirat says, It says you eat the fat and sheep and the flock, and you eat all the calves here. What's going to happen? Right afterwards, you're going to be exiled right at that. Any Torah scholar who's too into the Gashmis, he's too into his feast, he's too into it. So if Machra's base is going to destroy his house, Muhammad is Ishto, widow his wife, Miasmus goes to Zalav, orphan, literally, his young pigeons. But Tamudim Shachum eventually will forget his Torah. Machlokus Rabbis Paul Love will get into a lot of disputes. The Dvarmin and Shemam people won't respect him. Machalos and Shemam desecrates Hashem's name. Shem Rabbi and his teacher's name. Shem Alvin and his parents' name. Vigorim Shem Ra Lo Levanov and Levanov and Sofkoladoros. It's a bad reputation for his family forever. Says the Gemara Maihi. What's so bad about his children's reputation if he's so super indulgent? Amar Bai Karli Bar Marchaim Tenuei. They call the son. You're the son of the person who warms up the oven. That's what they call the father. The person who's always warming the oven to cook. Rav Amar Bar Marakin Bekuvi. They call him the son. The guy who dances in the pubs because the dancer in the pub can't afford the drink but if he thinks if he dances and he anything then they'll give him a free drink they're the son of the guy who licks the plate the son of the guy 
who literally just takes his clothes and, and lies down on them, meaning he's so drunk at night, he doesn't get a bed, and he just uses his clothes as a bed. So basically, it's very, very sad things, the reputation that is killed for the family when the father is too indulgent in food and drink. Says the Gemara, Rabban, let me call Nukamash Yeshua, a good person should always sell everything. In order to marry the daughter of a Tamachacham, do whatever it takes. Why is it so valuable to marry the daughter of a Tamachacham? If something bad happens to him, he dies, he's exiled. If he can't take care of the children, at least you know that the children will be Tamachacham. His wife is going to raise the children to be Tamachacham. Um, that's a, and that's a great, a great reassurance. We don't marry the daughter of an Amaretz. She made so gold of an Amaretz. When something happens to him, he can't raise the children well, then boom, his kids are left without anything. A person should always sell whatever he has. He said, marry the daughter of a Tamachacham. He said, and marry your own daughter to a Tamachacham. Such a shidduch of Tamachachamim is like the grapes of one vine to a grapes of another vine. Dover, no, it's fine, it's acceptable, it makes sense. You shouldn't marry the daughter of What's that compared to? When the grapes of a vine are mixed together with the berries of some thorn bushes, just dover cards. It's not, it's not befitting. So it's unacceptable for the shidduch. A person should always sell whatever he has. Do whatever it takes to marry the daughter of Tamachacham. If he doesn't find the daughter of Tamachacham to marry, you should marry the daughters of the great people of the generation. Maybe they're not necessarily If you don't find that, you should at least marry the daughter of some leader within, within the, the general community. You didn't find that. You said, marry the daughter of the people who collect staka, because those are known that those are honest people. That's why they're, they're appointed for the position. You don't find that. You said, marry the daughter of a teacher. But do not marry the daughter of an Amaretz. And here, when we say Amaretz, the, the post commodity tell us that we don't mean someone who's ignorant. When we're talking Amaretz in today's daf, we mean someone who's really brazenly defying the word of Hashem. We kind of mean a mummer lahachas a little bit. It's strange. The term Amaretz has a lot of discussion back and forth, but we're going to see a lot of negative talk in the next 15 minutes. So we should assume we're talking about bad people, not just someone who doesn't know so much Torah. You should do whatever it takes not to marry the daughter of one of these Amaretz. And they change shekets. They're disgusting. It's the same chariots. Their wives are just like insects. Of Nusayn Umar says about their children, or Shokhim and Kol They're treated like animals. Says the Gmartanya Rebbe Yomar Amaretz also lechol behema. It's forbidden for an Amaretz to eat meat. Like it's this is like a cynical idea about Amaretz. He can't eat meat. Shinamar Zos Torah Sabema Vaof. This is the Torah. This is what literally means the laws of the animal and the bird. So he uses Torah with the, with eating meat. So anyone who learns Torah and cares about the halachas or shechita for him, it makes sense. He should eat an animal or a bird. He can't eat. And the idea is because he has no clue what he's doing. There's no way the shechita is good. Inevitably, the meat the meat is treif. Says the Gemara Amar Blazer. Amar's mutar. It sounds like again cynical remarks here about the Amiyarts. Amar's mutar lenochem yikfum shachas b'shabes. You're allowed to stab them. You can try to kill them, even if it's Yom Kippur. That's also Shabbos. Do whatever you take. If you have the opportunity to kill Amaretz, the Gemara seems to say, Tosos, some people are shown to take this literally, others don't. Tosos seems to be the track who takes it literally. It seems that there was a suspicion that they wanted to kill everybody. And if the Amaretz wanted to kill everybody, then we are allowed to kill them, even Yom Kippur Shachalas Peshavs. Rabbi, Shoto, why are you saying to be nocha them, to stab them? You should say to shech them. Why did you use the lushan of stabbing versus the lushan of shechting? Shechita requires a bracha, right? You make a bracha when you shech an animal. Here, it doesn't even require a shechita. And the idea is, an animal is fulfilling its purpose when you kill it. So therefore, that's a bracha. You're uplifting it. Whereas here, when you're killing them, it's just, you know, self-protection. Here. There's, no, there's nothing good about this. There's no mitzvah here. It's just... You do what you take, you stay alive. It's forbidden to go with an Amaretz on a journey. The Torah is your life and the length of your life. This guy completely disrespects Torah. So obviously he doesn't care about his life. 
anyone who's an Amaretz is clearly making a decision, I don't care about my own life. So and he doesn't care about my life either. So meaning this is the idea, the attitude, the mentality of the Tamid Chachamim is that they see that the Amaretz will do, don't care about life. Very extreme idea here. It is mutter to tear an arts open, like the way you would do to a fish. Do it from the back, meaning however gruesome it might be, but uh, this would be easier to kill it on the spot than you do it that way. Says the Gemara, Tanya, very famous Gemara. Amar Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva only came onto the scene, right? He first learned Olive Fables when he was 40. When I used to be in Amaretz, Amaretz, I used to say, I wish I would have an opportunity that a Tamachachim would have given to me and I would fight him like a donkey. His students said to him, What's the shot that you use the lotion of a donkey? Amar Kikelov, like a dog bites. Why are you saying like a donkey? Amalani answers, a donkey bites and break bones. Whereas a dog bites and doesn't break bones. So I wanted to show how, how horrible my hatred was, how much I really didn't like the Middle So I said, like a donkey. Says the Gemar Tanya, anyone who marries his daughter after an Amar, it's as if he ties her up and puts her in front of a lion. A lion, Mari Doris, and Ari is a Doris. It attacks its prey. And what does that mean? It means it doesn't wait for it to die. That's what's different about the predator of a lion from the Gemara's and Baba Kama says. A lion will pounce and it just eats it up alive without killing it. Whereas other animals first kill the animal, and then they have the meat, then they eat it. So the idea of the, 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 the lion being the ultimate predator is that it's, it's Doris Vokal, doesn't even wait for the death. In the upon him. There's no shame. That's the idea. It's very brazen about it. There's domestic abuse, and he just, you know, there's almost rape, and that's a horrible thing to put, to put one's daughter in front of. Says the Gemara Tanya, says in a brisa. Omer. Here, this is real cynicism here. If they didn't need us for business, and this is a sign of the times, the, the, the education was Torah. So if you weren't involved in Torah, you weren't educated. So you have this ironic thing that the more ignorant people were also the illiterate people. So who does business work? You need to tell me the Chachamans. So tell me the Chachamans had a lot of power. <laughs> Not only did they know the Torah, they were the, the guys you needed in business. So if they wouldn't need us in business, they would just kill us all. So that's where, you know, this is just showing like this sense of elitism of, of where Torah education can bring you. It's not only for the, for the Torah itself, but the side benefits of, you know, sophistication in a class and that they, they literally knew how to read and write and no one else did. Says the Gemara, Tani says This is a fascinating suga. Somebody who learns Torah in front of an Amma Aretz. If he, he's sleeping with the Amma Aretz betrothed woman, or it's as if he, the Amma Aretz is married to the Torah, but hasn't you know, consummated his marriage with it, and you're stealing it from him. You're embarrassing him. What's the ideal? Why is it so disgraceful, the Arusa of somebody else? Because this guy has the marriage, he hasn't consummated it, and here you're like taking it away from him before he even has the chance to consummate his marriage. It's like the ultimate disrespect. Like we find it's worse punishment. Ashish ish after she's married is not as bad as Jesus is after she, before she's actually married. It's very interesting. It's worse when she's in Arusa. And that's the concept here. Torah is naturally married to each person, even the Amma Aretz. He hasn't consummated his marriage. He hasn't lived with the Torah yet because he hasn't, he's neglected it. But he's naturally in a relationship and his most brazen thing to like learn in front of him, Mamish disrespects that connection. Shunem, as it says, Torah which usually you think of Morasha to mean inheritance. That each one of us are married naturally to the Torah. So someone who learns in front of the Amaretz, it's like really disrespecting what the Amaretz naturally has. And here's finally something which is not, it doesn't seem to be a cynical remark. It seems actually to be the opposite. That that the, the Gemara is saying, even in Amaretz, like, we shouldn't think of it as he doesn't have a relationship with the Torah, he doesn't have a connection. Even the Amaretz is already a Rusa. That's just natural. If you're a Jew, you're a, you have a connection. You're married to the Torah. And, and, and he's just, he's neglecting 
consummating on, on the, that relationship, but he, he's still in that relationship. And that's why it's almost like there's a sensitivity not to disgrace him, to learn in front of him. It's a very interesting idea. Okay. Says the Gemara, Gedola sin of Shunayam Aras al Tamachacham. The hatred Tam Aras have towards Tam Lechamim is more. Misunderstanding of also Israel is more than the the hatred that that Gentiles have for the Jewish people. They hate us a lot, Tam Aras. And she's saying, and their wives Yisrael dies even more than 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 they do. The wives hate us more. What's the pshat? Not so clear. But the jealousy is more in the wives of the Am Aras than the Am Aras themselves. Shana, it says in a bride, so Shana appears, Yosemite Kulan. Let's say there used to be someone who tried to learn Torah, and then he moved away from it, and now he brazenly defies Hashem's, Hashem's word, so that he hates them more than everybody. Because that's, you know, he, he's off. He's off. He once was there. That's even, that's the worst. Says more, Tanah Rabbanu Shishis, there are six halachos that were said about Aramar, and most of them are Edis. You can't give them something to testify about, meaning like you don't give them a document to sign. If you come to this, if they come to say testimony, you don't accept it. You never tell a secret to them. You don't appoint them people who are, are, are to, to, to be in charge of the estate of an orphan. You don't trust them. You also would never report them over some stucco fund. You should never travel with them. If there's lost property from, from an Amaretz, you don't even bother trying to return it to him. So the famous question is, if you don't know who lost it, how do you know it's from an Amaretz? So the idea is you saw something fall from a whole group of Amaretz. So you don't even have to bother returning it, says the Gemara. Tanakama, he left that one out. You should return the lost property of Amaretz because maybe sometimes you see that Amaretz have children who are So you should return the property because maybe the child, the Tamachacham, will enjoy the money. Shin Amaretz, it says, this fulfillment of the Pasuk Yachin, the Rasha prepares his whole estate. You know, he's trying to make, get rich. What happens? The irony is that the righteous person will end up wearing it. So the idea is that Sometimes you have a wicked person and all he's engaged in is bad things, but then he ends up having a, a, a tzaddik for a son and he enjoys all of them. So you should return the lost object that Tanakhama has held because of the possibility, the potential, that there will be a righteous son who will come out of this. Okay, now we are done learning about Amayaretz for a little bit. So now we get back to what we learned from the Mishnah. The Mishnah said two cases about someone traveling and they remembered either they had chametz or someone was traveling and remembered that they had basar kachim. So we said, we said the... Um, the different ideas and machlokas about what's the significance in the size. We had machlokas, Rebuda and Remeir. Remeir said, you only go back if it's the size of an egg. And Rebuda says, you return even if it's the size of an olive. So the Gemara says, Remeir sounds like Remeir holds only an egg's volume is chashif. Rebuda says, even an olive's volume is significant, meaning it's like a general dispute. What's a significant shear? So it sounds like Rameir is saying a beta review that says in olives. So Gemara asks, or Minu, look at this contrast to the, to, to the Mishnah in Brachos. What's the minimum amount of bread that you have to eat in order to be chayiv in azima? Or in other words, the chi of benching. How much you have to eat to be a mechayiv to bench? Ad kezayis. Rameir says just an olive. An olive is already significant. That's how much you have to bench at. It's only if you eat the volume of an egg. So we see Mamash Dafka the opposite. Over here, in this Mishnah Brachos, Rabbi Yudah is saying it's only significant if it's an egg, and Rameir is saying it's significant if it's a kazai. So here, in the, by how much chametz or kachim had to be left that, that required you to go back, was the opposite. Rameir was saying a kabetz, Rabbi Yudah was saying a kazai. So Rabbi Yochanan Mukhlef Shita, you're right, really it's the same dispute, a general broad reaching dispute, what's chashuv? And the opinions of Rameir and Rabbi Yudah, we made a mistake, and we, we, we should have reversed them. Which one should we? So it sounds like that um, the Mishnah Brachos is wrong. And really, Rabbi, Rabbi Meir should be saying that you need the eggs volume, and Rabbi Yudah should be saying that you're mechoyv and perkas even from an olive. That's what the Rabbi Yochanan is suggesting. 
you could differentiate in the comparison here. But don't reverse their opinions. And the two issues, it's an apple and an orange. Hasam, when you're talking about Benjamin, the root of the issue is how to interpret a Pasuk. Here in our Mishnah, it's based on a Sfar. So what is it? Hasam, in the case of Benjamin, they're arguing about the Pasuk. It says in the, it says in the Lashon Pasuk, V'achalta v'savata, uverachta. So there's two verbs, V'achalta, and then V'savata. So Rameir is Savar, Achila, V'achalta is V'achila, that's eating. V'savata, Zushtia. V'savata is coming to add the bracha for drinking. So either that means that there's a Chiyav on a Daraisa level when you drink wine to make Allah Gefen, either that's what it means, or it means that if you eat, but you didn't have a drink, so you're very thirsty, then you don't have to make Berkas Amazon. In other words, if you, if you haven't quenched your thirst, then you don't have the shlemos of the satiation from your food, so you're not mechuyif to bench. So that's what Rameir expounds. Um, so now there's only one word that we, tabi- that we interpreted for eating, that's Tam Achila, it's Kezayis. So therefore, Rameir comes out that you, if you eat just a Kezayis of bread, you have to bench. Rabbi Yudha Savar, no, you read it together. You ate the amount that filled you up. You ate the amount that satiates Ezuzu. What is that amount? It's more than just a Kezayis. Ezuzu, that's a Kebej. So, so the Machlokas over there is how to interpret the words in the case of the chametz and the meat, the machlokas is just about svara, nothing to do with psalkim. The shear for requiring to go back for the chametz or for the kachim is for, is, 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 it should be compared to the laws of tumas ochlim. Just as the law of tuma is only for an eggs volume. So, Again, all of this is based off the fact that going back here is only a din drabbanan. It's only drabbanan once you did betel to go back, and it's only drabbanan to burn to burn the meat in Yerushalayim. So Mayor says only a very harsh amount is subject to the law, and uh, we know that the Tomas Ochlim, Tomas Ochlim is 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 the shear is kibetzah. So that's like a nice you know prototype of an example where we see a shear to follow. That was Rabbi Mayor's position, and Rabbi Yudah Savar Chazar also going back. Kisuro should be for the same shear top of Dafnon for the same shear of the Isser, the Isser of eating chametz or of. Um, Eating kachim that are apostle, both of those, the shear for that is is kezayis. So it makes sense that the the, the shear for going back should correspond to the shear of the iser. Uh, the iser. So just as kezayis, So that's ultimately the dispute. Rabbi Yudah is comparing it to the size of the iser. Rabbi Meir is comparing it to the size in general for 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 tuma. It has no bearing whatsoever. And the machlokas by benching, where it's machlokas what bachalta v'savata. So we had a machlokas just a, one last line here. So there's, we had three-way dispute in the Mishnah. Rabbi Meir said both of them are Kabeitzah. Rabbi Yudah says both of them are Kazayas. Then we had one Tana who split uh, Chamit, you only go back if it's a Kabeitzah, and Kachim, you go back even if it's a Kazayas. So now the Gemara tells us one fourth opinion, Tanya, Rabbi Nasamar Zevazek, Shtei Beitzah. That both cases, it's only the minimum amount is, is if it's equal to the volume of two eggs. didn't agree, and they said differently that that, that, that even, certainly if it's just one egg, you would have to go back to get rid of the Chamit or get rid of the meat.